darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. One John chapter three, verses sixteen to eighteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. How are we today? Good. If I've not met you, my name is Scott. I am the lead pastor at New Life Coolangatta, right down the other end of our state, right on the border. And it's so good to be here. Oh, wow. I'm, yeah, wow. One person stoked. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to start. I don't have the authority to do this, but I just wanted to start and just say thank you to all the volunteers here. Like, it's National Volunteer Appreciation Week, and I know every time I come here to New Life Brisbane, I'm always so welcomed, and I'm always so amazed at how many people serve and give up their time and their energy to love this community. So on behalf of Alex and the team and others, I don't have that authority, but we would just like to say New Life Brisbane is the church it is today because of your service. Because you know what? You can have the greatest preacher, you can have the best worship team, but if you don't have a loving community, people just won't come back. And so thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for what you do each and every week for this community. Really appreciate it. And so we are in week four of a sermon series on the book of John, 1 John, the first letter of John. And the title of the sermon this week is We Are Family. The letter of John is, is so simple, but it's also really complex at the same time. And John focuses on love when he speaks to these people. When he writes this letter... He's writing about the love of God and the love of people that we should actually have. And this letter is pleading with the children of God to love each other well. And today we're going to be exploring 1 John 2.28 to 3.18. So if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to walk through that. And I want to look at sort of these three things that we find in there. One of them is that we are children of God. The other thing I want to explore is how do we know if we're in the family and how we actually live and then the third thing I want to look at is how that actually transforms our hearts and how we're actually meant to treat each other if we're children of God. So before I get started, I'd love to pray. So would you please join me in prayer? Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, your word is truth. Your word is powerful and active, God. And I just pray that you would just give me the grace to preach your word today. In truth, but also in grace, God. That in the end, they would not look to me, but they'd only look to you, the one who brings life, and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I remember uh, about 11 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, before I was a Christian, I walked into New Life Church in Rabina, and I walked into the courtyard, and there were hundreds of people in there. 
Like there's 500 people per service there. And I walk in and I'm looking around and I just start judging people. I'm like, look at that guy. Look at her. Look at this guy. He's a nerd. And I'm like, just judging people, right? And I'm thinking, I don't know if this church thing's going to work for me. I don't have anything in common with these people. And then I look over and I see this guy and he looks like that guy on the screen behind me, just there. And I'm like, if this dude pulled his pants up any higher, he'd get rash under his armpits. Like, seriously. It's horrible, right? It's horrible that I used to think that. But that's how I thought. And then I got saved. And I put my faith in Jesus and things started to shift in me. And and then we had this church event. And you got paired up with a guy, right? And you had to spend eight hours with him. Guess who I got paired up with? (laughs) Harry Highpants. That's who I got paired up with. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you are unbelievable. (laughs) You know that I was judging this guy like a couple of months back and now you've put me with him. And I sat with this guy. I'm like, oh, we're not going to have anything in common. You know, this is going to be weird. The day was awesome. Like we had this connection with one another that was way deeper than the natural things in this world. There was a deeper truth. Something had actually shifted in me. There was this new nature, this new love that had been birthed in me, not based on earthly standards, but based on a a deeper truth. What I realized after that day, just sitting in prayer, that I was actually now part of a new family. And today we're going to be exploring this new life in Jesus' family through the letter of John. And today I want to go old school. I want to just simply walk through the text, verse by verse, so we can explore what John's actually calling us to. What John wants us not only to understand, but actually live out as well. So I'm going to start at the beginning, verse 28. He says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. He's like, dear children, this is a pastoral letter that he's writing. He has so much love for these people. He's like, children, Jesus is coming back. Let me tell you, he is coming back. We don't know the day nor the hour, but let's be found doing what we're meant to be doing. Let's not be ashamed that he's coming and be like, oh gosh, I didn't know you were coming now. I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing right now. He's like, let's not be ashamed. Let's be doing what God calls us to do. And he goes, this is why I'm writing this portion of the letter to you. He says, now if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. I love this. this. This Greek word here for know isn't just knowing about Jesus. It's just not knowing about this man that, that was named Jesus. It's actually knowing, like this deep, intimate knowing of who he really is. And if you really know that Jesus is righteous, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you should be doing what is right. Because if the Spirit is living in us, if we are born again, we should be living like we actually believe that he is the King of kings. And John's like, now let me explain what I mean by these two opening statements. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now that we are children of God, what will be has not yet been made known. He starts with, see what great love The Father has lavished on us. Do we understand what that word lavish means? It's when we're given stuff. It's like this generosity that's beyond measure. Have you ever had someone lavish like praise or gifts on you? 
It's just this feeling of, oh, that's, I feel like I can't accept this. That's too much. This is what John's saying. He goes, this is the Father's love. This is how great it is. He's going to lavish on us the fact that we would be called children of God. That is who we are. We've been adopted into the family. We are now co-heirs with Christ. Let that one sink in. Like Jesus, the Son of God, that's how God sees you now in him. Like, I can't understand that. That is a great love because, you know why? We don't deserve it. And we especially don't deserve to be called children of God. Then he continues, he says, But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. There is a hope that we actually look forward to as Christians at Jesus coming and that hope is that we will be like Jesus we'll actually see him for who he really is glorified seated on the throne of heaven that he is the king of kings and we'll see that glorified Christ but then we know that we'll be like him that that is amazing we'll be free from sin at the resurrection Uh, that's amazing right praise God and John what he does he sets this foundation that We who are the blessed children of God, this is who we actually are. We're children. And then he talks about what that should look like in our lives. He says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one continues to sin, has either seen him or known him. We know that Jesus came to deal with sin, right? That's why he came and died on the cross. And Jesus was fully man and fully God. And he was the only man to ever walk the face of the earth and never sin. He was in perfect obedience and relationship with the Father. And he goes to the cross because he is perfect and takes on our sin for us. We know that Jesus came and defeated the curse of sin on the cross for us. But Jesus didn't just come that we may be forgiven. He came that we would actually be set free from slavery to sin. Like we are slaves to sin without Christ. So what does verse 6 mean? Does it mean that we're meant to be sinless now we're Christians? Well, I don't know if Alex said this a couple of weeks ago, but it's not that we're sinless, but we're meant to sin less. Because we're meant to be on this path of sanctification in the Lord. And John's saying we should have a new nature that's not a slave to sin, but is actually a slave to righteousness. Like, think about pigs, right? Pigs love dirt. Like, they love mud. They just rub themselves in it. They froth it. They roll around in it. That's just part of their nature. It's just their instinct, right? They just do it. You don't have to tell a pig to do it or show a pig to do it. They just rip into it. They just turn themselves over in the mud all the time. Now, you can hose the pig off, you can like shampoo the pig and put CK1 on it, you can make it smell nice, you can take it in your house and have it in your nice clean house, but guess what? We haven't dealt with its nature, right? We haven't dealt with its instincts, and so what it's going to do, it's going to scratch at the door because it just wants to get out and rub itself in the dirt on the grass. That is like us. When we're without Christ, we're actual nature. We're born with a sin nature. We actually desire sin. We're slaves to sin. It encapsulates us. But as Christians, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We should have a new nature. And I know this because before I was a Christian, I actually sought out sin 
and I loved it, and I desired it, and it felt natural to fulfill my own sinful desires. It felt natural to do what I ever wanted, what, whatever I wanted to do. And it actually felt unnatural to try, and, to try and not do that stuff. But then I was born again. And I was given a new nature, a new spirit, a new heart. And now I seek righteousness. When I sin, I actually feel convicted because sin is now against my new nature. It, it now feels actually unnatural. But righteousness, when I go after righteousness, now that feels natural to me. Second Corinthians, Paul talks about this. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And this is what John is making his point right here. This is the point he's making. We are now children of God, and if we're truly children of God, and we're part of God's family, we'll have this new nature and these new desires. You see, if practicing sin feels natural to you, then he's telling us that we're not children of God. But if sin feels unnatural, if you feel dirty, if you feel like guilty or shameful when you sin, if it feels yucky inside and something's not right, then, then that is great. Because that's actually evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in you. That you now have a different nature, that now you want to go for righteousness, you want to live in love and grace, and that's manifest through this new nature. And actually, if you're sitting here today and you don't, feel that bad about your sin, but you recognize your sin is actually enslaving you, that you're actually a slave to sin, I have great news for you. God's wanting to adopt you into his family and give you a new nature. He's wanting to give you a new desire, desires for good, for mercy, for grace. God's offering you a new beginning, a new start, or a new life. Today, you can be born again with a brand new nature, set free from the grip and the destruction of sin in your life and become a child of God. This is what Jesus offers us. Church, we have been born again with a new nature and a new spirit that dwells in us. He continues, he says, Dear children, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one that does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. John's like pleading with his church. He's like, children, don't let anyone lead you astray with lies about sin. If anyone is teaching you that sin is okay for a Christian, or for that matter, anyone, they're actually false teachers. They're leading you astray from the truth that we find in Jesus. You see, true children of God will teach and disciple others to desire, desire righteousness, to do what is right in every situation. And everyone who teaches what is evil is of the devil. You might be like, wow, Scott, pump the brakes. That's a bit heavy. I didn't say it. John did. <laughs> I'm just telling you what he said. But we need to understand what he's talking about there is in the first century, how you acted, if you acted in a bad way, people say, oh, you're acting like the devil. And if you have to act in a good way, you're acting like God. So it wasn't like that they were saying, you're possessed or you are the devil. And we know this because Jesus says to Peter, after he tells him he's got to go to the cross. And Peter's like, no, 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 Lord, not for you. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. Is he saying that Peter is Satan? No. Is he saying that Peter is possessed by Satan? No. He's saying, you're like acting like Satan. You're an adversary to me right now. You're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. You're not acting like your heavenly father. C.S. Lewis says, the most dangerous thing you can do 
is take one impulse of your own nature and set it up as a thing you ought to follow at all costs. There's not one of them which will not make us into devils if we set it up as the absolute guide. He's saying our lustful desires, they actually enslave us. They enslave us in this way that we end up actually living like the enemy. And why would Christians want to be acting like the devil? In lies or in hate or in disobedience and lawlessness. You ever heard the saying, like father, like son? Right? So as Christians, we should be people who look like a heavenly father, who act like Jesus in love and compassion. We should be full of grace and truth and walking in righteousness. Could anyone say that about your life? Would anyone look at you and go, oh yeah, like heavenly father, like son or daughter? Or would they be able to say you look more like the devil in our sinful living? And he continues, he says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue in sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is one of the reasons that Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. That in the Garden of Eden, we believed his lies. He's been a liar from the beginning. We believed his lies that we could be like God. And that caused sin to come into the world and the devil's work was at work in that place. And Jesus came to destroy that. He came to destroy the power and the grip of sin over your life. And Jesus came and dealt with that sin nature that we were all born with. John says, if you're born again of God's seed, which is the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is in you, you can't go on willfully sinning and not be convicted. This is just a truth. Because we've been born again, born of the Spirit, we will be transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus day by day. Sin, therefore, should feel unnatural to us, and we won't go on doing it. So how then do we know who is a child of God and who isn't? Well, I love John because he just comes straight out and he says in verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and their sister. This is how we know who is part of God's family. First, that we would desire righteousness and actually be pursuing that in the grace of God. But second, that anyone who understands now they are a part of a new family. We now have brothers and sisters in the Lord. So in light of the fact that we are born again, we have a new nature, now we desire righteousness, John's telling us how we're actually meant to relate to other Christians. God's kids should love each other. And John loves to contrast things with, with light and darkness, and he uses here love and hate. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. He said, this is the message we've heard from the beginning. Like this started way back in the Old Testament that we should love one another. And then Jesus came with a message and said, you've got to love each other. They'll know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And so the disciples took that message out and taught the church that and John taught his church that the message hasn't changed it's the same message it's the same command from the beginning love one another don't forget that command in all your busyness and all your differences he's like don't be like the brothers Cain and Abel and we find the story in the book of Genesis where Cain murders Abel because he's jealous 
because there is hate there. And you know what? I think Christians, we can be like Cain and Abel and we can destroy each other with words. We can destroy each other with actions. There is so much division in the church between Christians over the smallest thing. And John's saying, that's not okay. He's saying, be godly brothers and sisters. Correct? Yes, we correct, but we do it in love. We do it by encouraging. We love and support and we show grace and acceptance. We disciple one another in love. He says, don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. No murderer has the Spirit of God living in them. The world hates us. Why? Because we stand for the truth. Because we've passed from death into life, we've been born again, and we actually desire truth now. We want to find what the truth is. The world doesn't want the truth. The world doesn't want to know what truth is because they want to make up their own truths that suit their own sinful and lustful desires. I know that. That's what I used to try and do. I used to try and make up my own theology about the world and how things all fitted into my little kingdom, that I could do whatever I want. And as we learned a few weeks ago, light exposes darkness. The truth of Jesus exposes the darkness of our hearts and exposes the sin that we actually want to keep hidden and keep engaging in, and the world hates us because we stand for truth and righteousness. John's like, hey, don't be surprised. It's not weird. The fact that the world doesn't hate us, we need to ask the question. If we're going around and people are like, no, you're good, we need to ask the question, are we actually following Jesus, or are we just assimilating to what everyone else says? And if there's hate in our heart for other Christians that we know or the church, then John's saying the love of God is not in us. You know, there is no such thing as solo Christians. You won't find it anywhere in the Bible. Like people say, oh, you know what? I'm a Christian, but I hate Christians and I hate the church. I'm like, oh, John's saying like maybe the love of God's not in you because there's no such thing here of that kind of Christian. Does it mean that the church and Christians don't hurt each other or are perfect? No, we're not perfect. I mean, you know what? If you just want to find out, just ask my team, my ministry team down at Cooley. They'll tell you all the ways I'm not perfect. We don't get it right all the time. But we don't hate each other. Hate is like murder. Jesus in the Beatitudes, he talks about that in Matthew 5. He says, hey, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But if you're angry unjustly with a brother or you call him a fool or an idiot, you're in danger of hellfire. Like there is something wrong in your heart. And the sad thing is there's so much hate between other Christians. Like Facebook, I literally deleted Facebook off my phone about a year and a half ago because I was shocked every time I go on there, I'm just reading Christians just abusing each other. Like there's just viciousness, just attacking each other, hating each other. And I literally after like five, ten minutes of reading this stuff, I'd feel sick in my stomach and go, this just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right that we're just destroying each other over social media. So I literally just deleted off my phone. Does that mean we can't call out what is wrong? Well, of course we can, especially when it's abuse of power, abuse of finance, abuse of people. But that actually should be done in love, not hate. There's a difference. And people, like, they hate each other over different opinions on theology. Like, does God still heal today? Or, I don't know, did God create the heavens and the earth in a literal six days? And they divide over that, and they'll be angry at each other. Come on, church, this is not central to the gospel, 
Why can't we just talk about that stuff? And John says, if the Spirit of God is in you, you will see past these small failings of, of people and the church to the person and the work of Christ. Because our faith is not in the church. It's not in the charismatic pastor. It's not in our favorite theologian that we agree with. Our faith is in Christ and Christ alone. That's what makes us brothers and sisters. Think about this for a moment. If you think it's okay to hate your brothers and sisters in Jesus because of their failings to not be perfect, then why shouldn't God hate you? You're not perfect. You don't have perfect theology. I'm not perfect. I don't have perfect theology. But God still loves us and he lavishes his love upon us by his grace. You see, if we can't love our brothers and sisters in Jesus in the family of God, how in the world would we love non-Christians? How in the world would we love our enemies that Jesus commands us to if we don't even love our own family? John's like, hey, we need to get this straight before we move on to our enemies. Guys, you're not even loving each other. And that is a sign that we need to be born again. We need to be given a new nature. So what is love? What kind of love is John asking us to share with each other? Well, it's a deep sacrificial love that we only see in the cross of Jesus Christ. Verse 16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. If we want to know what God is calling us to, what John is alluding to, we need to look at the cross. And we need to look at that and go, God did not leave us in our sin. That we'd rejected God. We were enemies of God. We'd turned our back on him and followed our own desires. He didn't go, well, I'm going to hate you and brush you. He goes, no, I'm going to come in the form of a human being. I'm going to be fully God and fully man. I'm going to know what it feels like to walk this earth for 30 years. I'm going to know what it feels like to be tired, to be hungry, to be hated, to be scorned, to be spat on, to be rejected, to be bashed to a pulp. To then be lashed, not just little slaps, like lashing with hooks in it, would tear your flesh off. And then I'm going to be nailed to a tree and do all that without any sin that I would take upon your sin upon myself. That's how much I love you. That's the sacrificial love we see in Jesus Christ. And all we need to do is put our faith and trust in him, repent, turn away from those ways, and we gain a new nature. We become adopted into the family of God through repentance and faith. You know, the only way that we can love one another is by the grace of God. It's by the love of God that's been given to you through the Holy Spirit that actually dwells in you. You know, I can't love the way the Bible commands me to love. I can't do that in my natural fallen state. I need to be born again. I actually needed a new heart and a new spirit to do what God is actually asking me to do. And church, that's what we've been given. Do we know that? We've been given a new heart and a new spirit. John's like, dear children, please hear me. You have a new heart and new spirit direct from God to live in supernatural love, compassion, and grace. If only we believed that. If only we believed that we had that love inside of us and we would be led by the Spirit in all of our lives. So therefore, how do we treat each other? He says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, with action and in truth. He's saying this is a sacrificial love. 
We need to be laying down our lives like Jesus did for us. He laid his entire life down to show us, not only in word, he came and preached the word, but he showed us in action by going to the cross. If we would just see other Christians that are in our lives that we know as brothers and sisters, we would act accordingly. Like how many of you would not help your blood family? You help them, right? There's a special bond. And this is how we should treat other Christians in our lives. John says we should love one another, not only with words, but in action. And true love is sacrificial in action, just like Jesus. And I love how John, he wraps it up and he adds at the end, truth. You see, sometimes truth is correcting in a loving way. True love really cares enough sometimes to have those hard conversations, but it does it out of love, not hate. And when we do it out of love, the Spirit of God is present. Just like this letter, John is actually proclaiming confronting truths here. He's calling them out of sin, but he does it with a heart full of love for the readers. He wants them to grow in Christ Jesus. Here's the truth. We are family whether we like it or not. C.S. Lewis says, Love is not an affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be attained. You see, love is not this affectionate feeling that you have to have, like I have for my wife. That's a special kind of love. Love is just wanting the best for the other person as much as it is up to you. It's wanting to see them grow to be their full potential in Christ Jesus. So this makes me think, in light of this, how should we think about and see the church, like this gathering that we have here today? Well, the church is a gathering of family, of brothers and sisters coming together to fellowship and worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in love. You know, at Christmas time when you guys all gather together with your family or your family comes over and there's phone calls all before the event. It's like, what are you bringing? I'm bringing the salad. What are you bringing? I'm bringing the sausages. Everyone pitches in, right? So everyone brings something. And then usually the guys go outside because we're useless and we can only do barbecues and we cook all the meat and the women do all awesome stuff. And so we come together and we, we do all that and all the food comes onto the table together and we share a meal and we share life and we share love because we have a special bond. And then what happens? People don't just get up and walk out as if it's a restaurant. It's like, cool, now let's pack up. And everyone pitches in and packs up together, right? They have this special bond. You know what? You know, if this can be some, some you know, family members that can be difficult, like think of one. And if you can't think of one, maybe it's you. <laughs> Look, there's issues in every family, right? I know I've caused my fair share over the years. But family relationships are not always easy. But your family comes together to spe- share a special bond, to share love. Do you see the church gathering like a family gathering or just another consumable service like going to a concert or going to the movies? Because that's what our culture tells us, right? Just go and consume. Just go and get what you need. But that's not what church is in the, in the Bible. I love Stu Cameron. He used to be our lead minister. Um, he had this amazing say. He used to say it all the time. I loved it. He said, New Life Church is one big happy, sometimes dysfunctional family. You know, we don't get it right all the time. Just like normal family. You know, we try and follow Jesus as much as we can as a leadership team, but we don't always get it right. But I love what he focused on at the end, family. This is who we are. Here's the thing, you don't abandon your family at the first sign of an issue or a disagreement, do you? Why? 
because they're your family. And church, we even share a greater bond. We all share the spirit of the living God living inside of us. We have the same Father. We have the same Lord and God. So let's strive to live in harmony now because we all have the same destination. We're all going to be spending eternity together. I know that's scary. You're probably thinking, oh gosh, eternity with Scott? He just doesn't stop talking. Like, it's okay. At his appearance, we'll be like him. I'll be free from sin and all my issues, and so will you. We'll actually have a good time together in eternity. (laughs) So when we come together, have the mindset of a family gathering to come together and love and serve and be a family member. Contribute to the health and the vitality of the family. You see, this is a different mindset to that consumer mindset of our culture. The mindset that I come to get something and give nothing in return. Maybe we just need a family mindset that we come together in the bond of love, in sacrificial service to each other. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes it's just thinking different. Sometimes it's just looking at the person next to you and going, no, they're a son or daughter of God. They're actually my brother and my sister. They're made in the image of God, and I see their value and their worth. Maybe we need to see the gathering as as brothers and sisters coming together, and how can we love and support each other? So what's John expressing here in this text that we've explored today? Well, he's pleading with the church to recognize that we are children, and therefore we are brothers and sisters, and therefore we actually now have a new nature, and we desire righteousness. We shouldn't keep sinning. And the way we live that out, we manifest that, is by loving one another in grace, in action, but also in truth. So the question I want to ask today, do you want adoption into God's family? Do you want a new nature? Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You didn't know that he came to set you free from sin and death. That this struggle that you're in, this sinful struggle can be broken by the power of Jesus Christ. And he wants to make you a son or a daughter today. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to show you genuine love and mercy and grace. And if you're a child of God, the question I want to ask is, are you loving your family? Are you loving your brothers and sisters in word and action and truth? And the beauty is we get to do that. Every Sunday we have this opportunity to express that love through service and through worship. So what's God calling you into today to express that family love in action? What if we were a church that actually lived this out? What if we were a church that loved one another like family, supported each other, cared for one another, prayed for one another? People would come through those doors and they would see the kingdom of God in action on earth. Oh, that just warms my heart that we would love like God commands us to love. Sometimes it's just a change of mindset. How do I see that person sitting next to me? Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you. I come before you. Lord, we're not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. But Lord, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your indwelling that you have given me a new heart and a new spirit. And I thank you that you've given us a new heart and a new spirit, God. Lord, I pray that we would be led by the Holy Spirit, that rivers of living water would flow from each and every one of us, that, Lord, people would taste that you are good and turn and give you glory, God. 
And in this moment of prayer, you might be sitting there and, and you've never received Christ. You've never received that, that blessing, that adoption into the family. And God is here today. His spirit is present. He's saying, come home, my son, my daughter. I want a relationship with you. I want to give you a new heart and new desires. I want to show you what real love is. If that's you, you can just simply put your hands out in front of you on your lap. It's just this posture of saying, God, I bring nothing, but, but I come to receive what you bought for me on the cross. And you can just simply pray this prayer after me. Just pray it in your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love. I ask for your forgiveness of sin. And I thank you that Jesus paid for my sin on that cross. That I could have relationship with you again. Father, I ask for the gift of your spirit to come and dwell in me. That I would be born again and desire your ways, Lord. And as Christians, as we sit here, I just feel in my spirit, some of us have been, some of us have been critical, really critical of other Christians, of, of other churches. And sometimes valid, but sometimes not. And I think there's a moment here where God just, just wants to, to come to you and go, love your brothers and sisters. So just in this moment, in the silence, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and just convict us of any sin. Come Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Lord, forgive us of our sins, for they are many. We have sinned in word, in deed, in action, and in action, God. But God, I thank you so much that in 1 John it says that if we confess our sins, you are, we are, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you that you cleanse us today. Lord, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to walk out your commandments, to love God and love others. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. How about we stand and worship the Lord together?